and welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Cousins from under center, straight drop, it's another deep shot, center of the field, on the run, 2015 Welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. Well, Kirk Cousins, for the second straight week, uh, the game came down to the to the last play. And uh, I might say it was kind of a messy a day of football at U.S. Bank Stadium, yet uh, you know, these aren't like figure skating judges where they hold up signs giving you numbers and associated for grading your performance. Ultimately, all that matters is you got the win, and you're, it looks pretty good the standings the following day. So how do you analyze what went on Sunday afternoon at U.S. Bank? <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to analyze there. Uh, you know, I, I used the word maddening when I was texting my family after the game, frustrating, but all those texts ended with, but we got the win and that's what matters. And it's a bottom line business. And we've had some games where, that we've lost, not only this season, but in past seasons where you lose and you play really well. Mm-hmm. And you talk about, well, we did so many good things. There's a lot to build on, but at the end of the day, we lost. And uh, it was nice to have a game where there is a lot you want to clean up and wish you had back and are frustrated about. But when you win, it it, it makes it a lot more tolerable. So we'll take the win and um, we got to clean up the mistakes because as we look ahead, it's a uh, it's a tough schedule to finish the year. Well, Kirk, the, the jarring part of the day actually happened in the pregame warmups. You've, you've referred to him as maybe your favorite player of the Vikings, your teammate Eric Hendricks, an all-pro linebacker. And all of a sudden we're watching the CBS feed and we see him pull up lame a little bit with looks like a calf injury he, he goes back to the locker room I assume at that point you're thinking he's got to still be ready he's going to play it had to be what was going on in the locker room thinking how does this happen uh, he's out of the game yeah I didn't know what was going on and there, there's a lot that uh you'd be surprised that I don't know what's going on you know I kind of just stay out of certain phases of things because I mm-hmm. have so much I got to focus on so when Eric sure. goes down you just kind of say okay and you got to roll with it you don't really ask why or what's what's how when's he back you just say we got to go play but yeah I mean his presence is is felt you know and um that's why I was so glad he was still on the sidelines still there with everybody because uh if you can't have him on the field you still want him on the sideline being able to be a voice to not only the defense but even just bringing energy to our offense so uh tough loss but I felt like um you know our defense made a lot of turnovers and made big stops and still able to play at a high level in, in spite of his absence why was the game so frustrating at the outset for the offense as far as not being able to get things rolling like you did the previous week uh, against Carolina? Yeah, you know, we, we missed a couple throws. We had a third down early we didn't hit, and then I took a sack on the next third down that I felt uh, was very convertible. You know, Adam was, I think, there, and, and uh, you know, I had a check down to Rudy as well. So I was frustrated that we didn't get those third downs. And so when you're not converting third downs, you're punting, giving the ball back to the other team. And, um, uh you know, it was a, uh, a tough start, slow start, um, but we were able to get going in that second quarter. The last thing you want to do is give a team that's lost 10 in a row hope and continue to get hope. And they were on the verge of potentially taking a 16 nothing lead. And Cam Dancer comes up with his first interception of his young career. You guys then get on a roll. You cross midfield for the first time, and you ended up with a kind of a pitch and catch to Adam Thielen in the back of the end zone, if you could describe that play. Second and goal from the three, Rudolph in motion to the left. Cousins under center, fakes a toss. Kirk straight drop, back to the end zone. Touchdown, Thielen! And it's a touchdown for the Minnesota Vikings. Cousins to Thielen. 
Yeah, again, a great play design. Um, the safety came out of the post to double Justin. And um, uh, when I when I turned my back to the defense to fake the pitch, I didn't know if that safety was blitzing or where he was going. And when I looked up, Justin was doubled. So I knew I had to progress. And uh, Adam was streaking across the, the middle of the end zone, getting to the back of the end zone. And I felt like there was a gap there in the back uh, corner where I could throw the ball with a little touch. And he went and run, ran underneath it. So. Uh, Great play design, and once again, I keep thinking Adam can't possibly keep up his uh, uh, consistency with these touchdowns week in and week out, and yet another week goes by and he's got a touchdown. So uh, hopefully we can keep that going. Kirk, if you could explain to fans, I heard you talk about it after the game on Sunday, what a hot read is. When you're seeing a blitz, it's sort of what your options are, and just uh, it happens in a hurry, and you got to make a, a, a split decision at that point. Right. Well, in protection, you obviously have five offensive linemen, but there's, you know, times where you keep your running back in, that gives you six to protect. There's times where you keep your tight end in, that would be a seventh. And there's times where you can keep a fullback in too, and you'd have eight guys protecting. Well, the point is, is that defenses can always bring one more than you have to block. So mm. you have five in protection and they bring six, no matter how well you're protecting with those five, they're bringing one more than, than you have. So that's, that's when you're hot. And, um, Sometimes with the way the protections are designed and the way blitzes are designed is you may have five for five, but they're overloading a side. So you really on one side may only have two for three or three for four, however it sorts out. And the quarterback obviously studies this all week and has to know, you know, when he could be hot. And, um, mm. you know, there's a moment in the game and on a third down where, where uh, I was hot. And so they were bringing more than we had to block or more than we could with our protection. And, um, you know, the ball either has to leave my hand somewhere or I take a sack. And uh, in the situation I was in, I didn't feel like I had a great place to ditch it. And I also felt like with the two minute uh, clock running down, it was better to take a sack, let the clock run or force the uh, Jaguars to use a timeout. And so we took that sack, forced them to Got use it. a timeout before we punted back to them. So those are all the little in-game situations you're thinking about as you play. Man, you, you took some shots during the game. I know you get a couple, you drew a couple penalties as well. But is there ever time you have to kind of shake the cobwebs out and maybe call a running play, knowing that you're not exactly able to go to the bench and take a player two off? You got to stay in the game. Yeah, sometimes I get jealous when I see Adam make a play and then he sprints <laughs> to the sideline to catch his breath and regroup. It's like, oh, that that wouldn't be too bad from time to time. I don't know that I want to spend the whole game on the sideline, but once in a while, it wouldn't be bad to take a, take a breather and collect yourself. Mm. But uh, that's, that's really not the quarterback way. So, uh, you know, it was just a couple where, Hey, there are penalties. And so honestly, I'll take the hit. If it means we're going to get 15 yards, you know, rather than have third and long, we get a new first down that's worth getting hit in the head. Um, you know, a couple others where you just have to stand and deliver and, and not flinch and make the throw. And that's part of playing the position. And once the juices get rolling and you're in the flow of the game, sometimes you, you don't mind, you know, getting dusted up a little bit and land on the ground. You feel like you're a football player. So you just try to play through it and not let them add up. You know, that's the key is, is do the best you can to, uh, you know, avoid the big ones. Don't invite them, you know, step out of bounds when you can be smart and, uh, do that consistently. Hopefully you can stay on the field. Okay, I, th I think we've seen enough of the uh, first play of the third quarter in back-to-back -back games. Uh, that was a miscommunication. That's the word you use. But my goodness, uh, you get the ball to start the third quarter and just like the Carolina game, but it results in a defensive touchdown for the other team. You know, it's, it's frustrating gifting the other team something, uh, especially mm -hmm. especially six points, seven points. Um, you know, our defense is, is doing a great job, you know, keeping points off the scoreboard. And really it's our offense that is giving – these teams uh, points. So, 
Um, like you said, miscommunication with disastrous outcome. And uh, I got to take it upon myself going forward to just be very clear in the huddle as I communicate the play. So we're all on the same page. Don't need to be rushed saying the play. Don't need to, uh, you know, need to be dialed to so make sure that, that everybody's, um, you know, understanding what I want done. And, uh, and then we'll avoid those mistakes. Well, you got back right, right back on the saddle. The next, the next drive, you get the ball right back. He had a key 40-yard pass to Justin Jefferson. For his pass interference call, he still made the catch. And I guess another example of seeing his progress. You tried a couple other shots like that with him as well. So you, you, you probably could have done that all day because it looked like they, you had a, a winning battle with both Thielen and Jefferson against their young corners. High formation, Cousins from under center facing a blitz, throws it up to Jefferson with a great catch at the 15 flag on the play. Justin Jefferson singled up against the ever-beatable Luke Barku, undrafted from San Diego State University. It's a 40-yard grab for Justin Jefferson. Yes, we were able to hit a couple to both of them. You know, they they definitely uh, showed up yesterday. But I found, you know, part of what, when we started the the conversation, talking about being frustrated or having it be a maddening game, some of that came from missing a couple opportunities. You know, we had a, uh, let's see, a go ball to Adam down the sideline uh, that would have won the game uh, at the end. We had a, uh, a couple third down throws to Justin that were deep shots uh, that we didn't connect on. And so I think those, you know, when you realize hitting one of those three mm. would have had a major impact on the flow of the game, the feel of the game, uh, and the final outcome, uh, you know, imagine if you hit two or three of those three. So, yeah. you know, those are plays you expect to make, uh, you expect to hit. And, and when you don't hit one, you, you say, okay. But when you don't hit three, uh, it frustrates you. And, um, you know, we got to be better going forward. That pass to Jefferson set up a touchdown pass to our guest later in the show, C.J. Hammond. Uh, how much is he appreciated on this football team? I mean, I don't think fans take him for granted, but he's such a, a, a presence is the word I come up with that you know he's going to be there and so valuable and it's an asset for this team. First and 10 from the 12. Thielen with a touchdown today in motion to the left. Tightly packed eye behind Kirk. Play action facing a blitz. Swings to Ham. He heads to the left to the 10 to the 5. C.J. Yes! Minnesota Vikings! It's C.J. Ham's first touchdown this season, third of his career, 16-12 Jag. Yeah, I go back to, you know, just go back and watch the times where C.J.'s had the ball in his hands. Uh, good things tend to happen. I think of the, the toss play we ran last week against Carolina. Uh, got us a big first down. Obviously, on Sunday, the catch he had, being able to finish in the end zone and not going down on the one or two yard line. Um, you know, we've talked as, a, as a, an offense that, you know, how can we get CJ the ball within the confines of the offense more creatively? Mm -hmm. Because as good as he is running downhill and blocking a will linebacker and over and over again, there is a lot more that he has to offer than just as a blocker. So we're always thinking of how can we get him involved? And sometimes it's a check down and play action pass. Um, sometimes it's like yesterday where he's the number one option in the flat, but, um, Good things happen when he has the ball. And it's just nice to know that he's, he's on our team. You know, you want good players like that in your locker room and on your team. Kirk, it almost looks like something out of Madden video game. But you're, you're, it was a thing of beauty to watch how the play, the touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson, the route he ran, the sophistication of that route, the way you bootlegged, the way you bought yourself time, the offensive line giving you the time, and the completion of that touchdown pass. 
that give you the lead uh, was one for the one that you just sort of take a step back and go, man, that's how this game should be played. First and 10 Vikings from the 20 back in the red zone is the best red zone offense in the NFL. Cousins play action. Boots out to the left. He'll pass to the right. There's Jefferson. Touchdown. JJ. A 20-yard connection. Cousins to Jefferson. And the Vikings have taken a 19-16 lead. Yeah, it was great design by Gary and our and our staff to kind of have that play at the ready. And, um, you know, we were able to hit a similar play against Houston earlier in the year to Justin. And um, he does do a great job running that route and selling it and then being able to put his foot in the ground and redirect. And, um, you know, you feel good when you, when you come around the corner on the bootleg and you realize, hey, we got him. Uh, you put that ball up and then Justin finishes it. So... Uh, great play and and um, you know at that point you started to feel like hey we might pull away here but just like the Carolina game not so fast and um, uh, you know we weren't able to uh, distance ourselves the way I would have liked. Yeah, things as I, as I mentioned got a little messy. A uh, uh, couple missed extra extra points. You had the uh, miss uh, the, the the handoff to to Dalvin that was fumbled in the one yard line. Uh, Baylor missed the fifty yard field goal and then you got backed up to your eight yard line in overtime. You had to punt your way out of what looked like, you know, really bad field position where they only needed a field goal at this point. But that special teams play helped kind of set things up for you to eventually win this football game. That's exactly right. Um, you know, when you look back in a game like that that was so back and forth and that you win in overtime, it really was all three units. It was turnovers that were created by our defense and it was uh, big plays by our special teams. Um, you mentioned the, the fumble on the one-yard line. I mean, when you're having disastrous plays like that, uh, you need somebody to come up with a big play like a safety uh, to, to give us a chance. And our defense gave us the ball at midfield a couple of times, and we just failed to come away with, with any points. And, again, that added to the frustration. Um, but, you know, when we stepped off the field, the special teams and defense stepped on, and, and people stepped up. Third and eight, Glennon back to pass. Fires over the middle. Intercepted by the pick man. Harry the Hitman, I mean the Pickman, has turned over the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is his team-leading fourth interception this season, and he has 27 in his career, and with 7.13 to go in overtime, the Vikings are in Jags territory. we got to close on this thing right now. Well, after uh, the Harrison Smith interception, you basically said, right, we got to just go for this thing. Right. Uh, Conklin caught a big, big pass, and then it was just Dalvin Cook. Eight straight runs. You got to the one-yard line, looked like you were going to – or actually about the one-foot line, looked like you were going to cash it in for the game when he touched on. It was a false start and eventually had to kick the field goal. But Dalvin was an absolute workhorse. You're thinking, man, this guy's taking a beating. Uh, but he was at his best on that last drive, wasn't he? He was, and the offensive line as well. I mean, everybody in the uh, in the stadium knew that we were going to run the football, and yet we were still able to do it and get down there and, um, you know, would have loved to turn it into a touchdown, but we'll take the field goal and the win. Um, but I think back through overtime, and there were so many plays. I mean, it was a roller coaster of emotions to take a sack on the first play of overtime, which hurt that drive, but then to have the long third down completion to Justin, which was then taken away with offensive pass interference. Yeah, that's a weird uh, call. And then to have our special teams make the play they did with Dan Shusena covering the, the punt and making a great tackle to prevent them from being able to return it and get in the field goal range. And then the interception by, by Harrison to uh, get us the ball at midfield. Just a lot of complimentary football that uh, put us in position to be able to uh, get down there and kick that field goal to win it. Yeah, Mike Zimmer mentioned after the game, but there's not a lot of uh, whooping and hollering going on in the locker room. Was there more 
relief yeah. than elation or just you got the win and you know that uh, you know you got to just move on to play for another day at this point yeah I think I think we're thrilled we won but I also think there's a there's a realization that we didn't play our best football and that we left some things out there and that uh, you know up ahead we won't be able to play that way and expect to win um, you know we all have high standards for ourselves and for those around us and and so when we don't live up to those standards it's hard to celebrate the same way you would after yeah. a big performance but a win's a win so you try to still enjoy them because they're hard-earned and, and it takes a lot of work to get there so you don't want to just gloss over a win either all right kirk we'll be right back with uh your one of your favorite players on the offense fullback cj ham who scored a big touchdown against the jaguars on sunday play action facing a blitz swings to ham he heads to the left to the 10 to the It's game day any day. Play the new Vikings scratch game for the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. From camo and cat food to tools and tires, you'll find it all at Fleet Farm, your one-stop shop. Fleet Farm is the proud sponsor of Under Center. Well, Kirk, when you think of uh, someone who's so valuable and so versatile as a component in your offense, uh, our guest today comes first to mind, of course, fullback C.J. Hamm, and we're really pleased to have C.J. as part of Under Center with Kirk Cousins today. C.J., thanks for joining us, man. Uh, I think so much of you as a player and as a person, so it's great to have you on the show finally. Let's start with the big play from yesterday. Uh, can you break down the touchdown for us and kind of describe to the fans what happened on the play and uh, how are you able to get in the end zone? First and 10 from the 12. Thielen with a touchdown today in motion to the left. Tightly packed eye behind Kirk. Play action facing a blitz. Swings to Ham. He heads to the left to the 10 to the 5. CJ! Yes! Touchdown! Minnesota Vikings! It's CJ Ham's first touchdown this season. Third of his career. 16 12 Jazz. Great, great play call, obviously. And then a uh, great, ball, great ball by Kirk. Um, but, you know, I was able to sneak out into the flat. Um, you know, there was a blitzer coming off the edge, and he knocked me off course just a little bit, but uh, not enough. And, you know, Kirk saw me, dumped it off to me, and, you know, Adam really had a great block down the field. Uh, I was pretty much untouched until I got to the got to the goal line, and Adam held up for probably about five seconds, it feels like. That play felt like it was like five seconds long, and I was able to get into the end zone. Well, you're being a little modest there because uh, when you caught it and you turned up field, I knew we had a game. I could see we had a, you know, we're going to be down inside the five. But I thought went through my head as I'm just now a spectator watching, I thought, you know, it's going to be interesting to see here if CJ can get in. Because, uh, uh, you know, we're going to find out how good he really is if he can get in here. And sure enough, you got in because I thought it wasn't as easy as you made it sound. That that was, for a lot of guys, that's a tackle at the two-yard line. Uh, so talk about a little bit of your, you know, finishing that play and your background as a running back and how it's probably more natural to you to be in that position than, than the average fan realizes. Uh, yeah, you know, um, like you just said, I played running back uh, pretty much my whole career uh, leading up to the pros. And, um, you know, in, in that position, I know we're always taught to fall forward. Um, so, you know, always put always put guys on the, on your hip and fall forward. And I've been taught that ever since I was a kid. And uh, you know, like I said, Adam had a great block and I knew I had a little bit of a seam and kind of just propelled myself forward and um, the guy fell, fell off my hip. So what was the transition like when you were a tailback? You 
uh, play tailback in your first preseason here with the Vikings. You play well enough to make the team as an undrafted rookie. Uh, you play that whole year as a, as a true H-back, running back. How did the transition to fullback happen, and how did you feel at the time, and what was that like? Um, you know, uh, I was happy to do it, first off. But um, I knew uh, once we brought in Latavius, you know, that was the year we signed Latavius, and then watching the draft, we drafted Dalvin. And I was sitting at home like, ah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's about to happen. We got some pretty good guys. I'm, I'm definitely going to compete. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. And then uh, shortly after all that happened, um, we had brought in uh, KP as the running back coach, and he gave me a call and said uh, he wanted me to learn fullback this offseason. And to me, I was like, you know, that's kind of that's how I thought I was going to make it to the league anyways was, was fullback, so I was grateful. <laughs> when uh, the Vikings gave me the shot as a running back anyways, and I was just happy to do it. Did you have to gain weight or go back to a different diet or lifting program, or are you pretty much the same player and weight and body type you would have been as a tailback? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit heavier. I'm probably about seven pounds heavier than um, when I played running back. But, uh, you know, really throughout college, I bounced, bounced around between 240 to 245 playing running back. Wow. Now you get to block for one of the best running backs in the NFL. Uh, what is that like knowing that as you lead block, you're opening the door for a guy who, if he gets a seam, he's gone. Um, what's it like blocking for Dalvin and, and for the other guys, Booney and Alex and Amir? Yeah, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we got a very, very talented room, um, you know, with Dalvin at the head, you know, you know how special of a player he is. And, uh, you know, he really – uh, he really he really makes our job easy. You know, it's uh, one of those things where you sometimes you don't have to do your job, uh, you know, 100%. You can just get a hand on a guy and it's just enough for Dalvin to get by. And uh, to know to know your block helped him spring, uh, you know, a long play or a touchdown um, is definitely rewarding. And, uh, you know, Dalvin does a good job of, uh, you know, giving us all our props and we definitely appreciate him. Does it matter if a different running back is in? Will you block differently, or will it always be the same regardless of who's behind you? Yeah, a good question. It's uh, it's always the same, no matter what. It's always uh, to go out there, stick, stick true to my technique as best best as I can, and uh, you know, try try to blow guys up. You know, that's 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 pretty much the name of the game. <laughs> Are you ever tempted to put on a neck roll and use the intimidation factor of more pads? You know. Uh, I've thought about this, but the running back in me just cannot pull myself <laughs> to put on I have, look, you know, nothing against neck rolls. I just have to somewhat look like I'm, um, you know, like I can carry the ball just a little bit. Well, you've made yourself into such a fullback that last year you went to the Pro Bowl, well-deserved. And uh, uh, you're one of the uh, several players on our offense that if we wanted to feature you more, needed to feature you more, uh, you'd answer the call just like you did on Sunday's game. Um, talk about going to your first Pro Bowl and what that experience was like. Oh yeah, that was a that, that was a blessing. It was a dream come true. Uh, you know, growing up, uh, you know, you want to you want to make it to the pros, uh, and after that, you want to be the be one of the best at your position. Um, you know, always watching those guys play in Hawaii. Um, you know, bringing all their families out there um, was a, is a, you know looked like a really fun time. So to get that same type of experience going to Orlando. Uh, being able to bring my family there. I've never been to Disney before. Um, mm -hmm. You know, most of my family's never, you know, been to Florida before. So it was it was just fun to, uh, you know, share that experience with my family and, and my mom specifically. 
So Adam gets a lot of attention for being, you know, Mr. Minnesota. You know, he grew up here, went to college here in the state, uh, you know, makes the Vikings undrafted and now has gone on to become a Pro Bowl player. But really, the story is the same for you. I mean, you grew up here in Duluth. You are under recruited uh, and you end up going to Augustana in Sioux Falls and come back to the Vikings and have now been a Pro Bowler. So. Uh, do you ever look back and just kind of pinch yourself as to how the journey's played out and how unlikely it was that it would end up where it has? Uh, yeah, a handful of times, uh, me, me and my wife, my, my wife and I, Steph, will kind of just sit here and kind of just think about like, you know, it is, it is kind of crazy, you know, um, the things, how everything shook out and uh, where, where we are now as a family and, you know, having kids and just, you know, if, if this was five years ago, I wouldn't have tell you, you know, this is, this was, this was going to happen. Wow. And that's, that's the thing about life is, uh, you know, you kind of just roll with what, what it gives you. And, uh, you know, God has just continued to bless us. So growing up, were you a Vikings fan up in Duluth? And if so, uh, what were the teams or the players that you most followed or remember? Oh uh, yeah, I was a Vikings fan. Uh, you know, as a kid, I was more of a, I was more of a, like a, a player fan. So I, I just loved a whole bunch of different players. But being in Minnesota, you know, watching the Randy Moss, uh, Chris Carter, I used to wear his jersey all over the place. Uh, I wanted to be a receiver. And, you know, very quickly I realized that was not that was not in my books. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, you know, Jerome Bettis was one of my favorite players growing up the bus. Uh, I was trying to be like him. But, uh, you know, Adrian Peterson, that's it. I wore 28 in college, you know, for, for, for that reason. So uh, definitely a Vikings fan and, uh, you know, definitely blessed to – have been here for five years now. Did you and Adam play against each other in high school? We did. We did. He was uh well. I suited up my freshman year uh, when he had, when he was a senior. I suited up that varsity game, so I didn't actually play against him on the field field, but uh, I played against him in college though. And we'll be right back with more from fullback C.J. Ham. You're listening to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. Innovative Office Solutions and the Minnesota Vikings are teaming up to put the spotlight on nonprofit organizations doing good in the community that surround us. Nominate a deserving organization by going to community.innovativeos.com. Innovative Office Solutions is the hometown provider of office essentials and furniture to the Minnesota Vikings. Are you all in? Fleet Farms Holiday Layaway is back. Get the products you want before they're gone and pay as you go. Christmas just got easier. Fleet Farm, we've got you covered. Welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, and let's get right back to our conversation with fullback C.J. Ham. So talk about your journey to get to Augustana, coming out of Duluth. It's, again, it just surprises me that someone with your athleticism and size would not have been recruited by a bigger school and how you slipped through the cracks. Kind of talk about what happened and then what led you to Augustana. Um, so a lot of people don't know is – in high school, I was actually bigger than what I am now. <laughs> so, um, you know, a lot, a lot of schools aren't looking at 260-pound running backs. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, I was getting recruited uh, when I was about 260 pounds. I was getting recruited to play D tackle and defensive end um, at a whole bunch of Division two schools. Um, then I started to shed some weight my junior year. Um, then I started getting, getting recruited more as a linebacker. Um, and then my senior year, I was the lightest I've been. I was probably about 235. And then, then I started getting looked at as more of a, a ball carrier. And, um, you know, these were all you know, Division III, uh, NSIC, Division II schools. Um, didn't really get much attention from uh, anything bigger than that. Uh, my last two schools were 
UMD and Augustana. And ironically, UMD wanted me to play fullback. They wanted me to play like a like an H back wow. wing wing back position. And I was like, now nah, I'm I'm definitely a running back. So so I chose Augustana. Augustana was a great fit. I was able to go there and uh, you know, ha- have some good years, uh, run the ball. And uh, I think that's what uh, helped me get here today. So to this day, is it still a struggle to keep the weight off or is it pretty easy now and your body knows the weight you, you want to be? Uh, yeah, I, I'd say that I've, my, my body's kind of coming to its own when it comes to sticking around this weight. You know, I, I've been over 240 pounds since my freshman year of high school. And, um, you know, now, now I don't really have to try too hard to, to maintain the 245 to 250. I kind of just stay right between there. When did the NFL get on your radar? Because you're at Augustana, you're productive. Is it your senior year you're starting to think you got a shot? And, you know, how, how does that process go? Yeah, um, so, I mean, as soon as I got to Augustana, um, you know, a handful of guys were like, man, you know, you're, you're a really good player. You know, you could you could you have probably played Division One or wow. you know, what it is. And, you know, to me, I'm just like, I, I don't know. I'm here. So I'm, I'm playing here. And, um so kind of just playing my first couple of years. And then my junior year uh, during track season, uh, head coach calls me and said, hey, there's a couple teams that are making the rounds through Sioux Falls. Look at a couple of guys at the USF, University of Sioux Falls. And, you know, I threw, I threw your name in there as well. So I kind of had like my junior day, um, wow. junior year. And uh, I think maybe about six or seven scouts uh, made their rounds through uh, Sioux Falls my senior year and started evaluating me on tape and stuff like that. But n- nothing really came of it. I uh, did, did my pro days, talked to a, a handful of scouts after each pro day, you know, which was a dream come true. They made it seem like they were very interested in me. And uh, when it came to, you know, draft day, when it came to free agent calls, I didn't get any calls or anything like that. And then the Vikings were the, the only team to call my agent and give me a tryout and so it was really uh, make it on the Vikings or my dream was over. Wow, meant to be. What a journey. CJ, I get, we're, talk, we're talking with CJ Ham. Uh, quickly, one more athletic tech question because we were talking before we started our recording of the show, and I think a lot of f- fans are always interested in other sports you were interested in, and I think it, I found it fascinating that you were a shot putter. And I, don't, I look at you and I think to myself, uh, I've seen some really big guys who are really good at the shot put. How, do you, how were you drawn to that part of track and field? Um, yeah, so, you know, back in high school, back in middle school, uh, you know, everybody did track, did track to stay in shape and uh, get faster. Um, you know, I was never the fastest guy out there, so I kind of went to the uh, the next best thing. I, I, I really couldn't jump that far either, so I'm just like, you know what, I'm strong, <laughs> um, I'm explosive, let me just throw this shot put around, and uh, I, I fell in love with it. Um, in middle school, uh, I did. I did it then. I think I. I think I won. Won the city meet in middle school and uh, kind of just kept going uh, in high school and then even in college. You know, Augustana allowed me to uh, be a two-sport athlete and uh, it was a lot of fun to go out there and uh, do track and field. You know, that's one of those things where it's it's an individual sport and it's so so technical. So you're just competing yeah. against yourself every single time. It's a lot of fun. The subtle part too is you're also a skateboarder, right? <laughs> I am. I I, I spent uh, up until I was 14 years old um, thinking thinking I was going to become a pro skateboarder. Um, competed competed in a couple skateboarding competitions, and uh, you know I spent literally all day at the at the skate shop in Duluth, uh, damage damage board shop, and uh, I still go back and say hi to those guys when I'm when I'm back in town. 
Yeah, Kendricks is a skateboarder too. That's pretty cool. Uh, one other question I got to ask you, when you were at Augustana, not knowing if the NFL was going to pan out, what was your plan otherwise? What were you studying? What did you think was going to be your career if, if football wasn't going to be the, um, the, the option? Yeah, um, so while I was uh, training for my pro days, I was actually student teaching. I was student teaching in the PE and health. So um, I was doing my elementary placement in Sioux Falls. And then uh, when I when I made the, when I got invited to mini camp, I was doing my high school placement at Lincoln High School in Sioux Falls. So uh, my, my plan was to be to, to be a PE teacher. And uh, having the opportunity, CJ, even post-career, I know you're thinking a lot about, uh, you do a lot of work mentoring kids, you work with the Boys and Girls Club. This time of year in particular probably brings it home uh, because so many kids in need and, and, and the opportunity for you and your family to give back to the community uh, is really comes from the heart, doesn't it? It does. It does. And, uh, you know, it's it's been awesome to be in the position that I'm in um, to to be able to help. Um, you know, these last couple of years, you've been able to, uh, you know, help help out, help out at least one family and giving gifts. And um, it's been such a blessing to be able to do that. And, you know, we just hope we hope we hope hope and continue um, hope that we continue to do that. And uh, we're just looking forward to you know, all the holiday seasons. CJ, can you talk about your uh, My Cause, My Cleats initiative from Sunday? We all wore different cleats representing different nonprofit organizations in the community. What what was the cause that you picked? Um, I chose to, for a second year, uh, represent uh, PANCAN, uh, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, uh, with my mom being diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer, um, you know, about two years ago and uh you know losing her battle with with pancreatic cancer about six months ago um you know it's 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 hard but it's uh something that uh, i want to be able to support um even even deeper now because uh because of what happened and i know there's still so many people out there who are fighting um this this deadly disease and uh i just want to do all i can to uh, to help and uh you know mm. be, be there I had the privilege of meeting your mom at the Pro Bowl last year. I was so glad I got to be a part of that game uh, and got to meet her and meet your family. Um, she passed uh, not too long after that, so it's pretty special that you got to have that week together as a family. And I know she had a big impact on your life, obviously, and she was so proud of you as a football player, but uh, she's still watching. And I know she saw that touchdown on Sunday, and she's smiling, and uh, you keep making her proud, not only – for the player you are, but the person you are. So um, uh, we're standing with you. I know you're, it's been a tough year uh, dealing with that, but uh, we're with you, man. And um, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. I appreciate you, Kurt. Thank you, man. A big thanks to fullback C.J. Hamm, and we'll be right back to preview the Vikings' next game against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks right after this. Vikings Game Plan returns for a 14th season hosted by me, Paul Allen, your voice of the Minnesota Vikings. We feature weekly player interviews, game film breakdowns with former linebacker, current analyst Pete Bursich, plus more. Watch weekly on KMSP Fox 9 or Fox Sports North or on the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Details at Vikings.com slash game plan. So, Kirk, it's time to look ahead, uh, playing in Tampa Bay uh, next Sunday afternoon. It's As far as taking a step back, I know you guys are still unable to go to the, uh, the facility on Monday and Tuesday, so... Take us through the process of breaking down film and, and how that goes the day, the first two days after the victory on Sunday against the Jaguars. 
Yeah, so we spend a lot of time Sunday night and Monday morning still kind of reviewing the previous game. I'll be watching. I watched the Jaguar game a couple of times to go through it and try to make notes and corrections. But then obviously you move on to Tampa and uh, you start to study their defense, watch some of their more recent games and get a feel for how their defensive coordinator wants to call the game. I know Coach Bowles uh, played against them a couple of times and mm-hmm. uh, he does a really good job and their defense is highly ranked. They got some household names on defense and uh, – uh, some really good players, including um, you know Winfield here from the from the University of Minnesota. Yeah. So um, a lot of respect for their defense. The statistics of their defense kind of tell the story. They're highly ranked in a bunch of categories, and uh, you know we're going to have our hands full. You start out as we all know one and five. You're at six and six right now, and the last thing you want to concentrate on is looking at playoff possibilities when you've got four tough games. You made a mention right off the top. You go when you were one and five. You said we got ten games to go, and, and we're not going to be determining our season right now at one and five. That attitude seemed to serve you guys pretty well. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I've been proud of our team since the bye week and the effort we've given uh, through the month of November and early December. But as I said on Sunday after the game, you know, these final four games really tell the story, just like those 10 games we're going to tell the story and certainly mm-hmm. six of them behind us. Uh, it's been a great effort. You know, now we put ourselves in a position where we're six and six. We're right at 500, and uh, we really need to have a strong finish to the fourth quarter of the season with the final four games. Well, perception is kind of reality. I mean, if you look at the Bears situation, they were off to a five and one start. They've lost five in a row right now. And if they, you know, different perception of where that team is at compared to where the Vikings are at right now because of when you lost those games in December football. It's December football. That's how you end up making the playoffs and making a run. And it doesn't feel like you're almost in playoff mode right now. Right. No, we're, I mean, we're playing teams who are going to be fighting for their playoff position as well. So uh, you're going to really feel that intensity. I mean, it's there every Sunday in the NFL, but December starts to kind of clarify the picture. And, uh, um, you know, it does feel like playoff football. Honestly, when you dig yourself a hole at one and five, every week has felt like playoff football. So uh, this week will be no different going down to Tampa. It's, it is a different opponent. Uh, we go on the road now for the first time in several weeks as we had three straight home games, which was, which was really unique, but uh uh, we got to bring our best football to Tampa if, if we expect to come out of there with a win. Of course, you're not facing him directly, but it's hard to, to uh, not talk about the elephant in the room. That's Tom Brady, a quarterback uh, who's been around this game. We got five or six rings, Super Bowl rings. So when you hear his name and you think about being at the top of his profession for as long as he has, uh, what do you feel uh, when you're going on the field against uh, Tom Brady? Yeah, you know, he, he's, he's been fun to watch for so many years. And, um, just, you know, a lot of respect for him, obviously, but uh, uh, kind of going back to when Eric got hurt and you just kind of try to block it out and just say, I got a job to go do. Mm-hmm. Very similar when you play great opponents, great quarterbacks, you know, because you're standing on the sidelines when they're on the field, you really say, hey, you know, I, I really shouldn't focus on who the other quarterback is or uh, how they're playing. I got to do my job and, um, and play my game. And uh, and so that's really the approach I tend to take, you know, regardless of who we're playing. Um, but he's he's been fun to watch for a long time. You know, for a while I was just watching him from a distance as a really a, a, a young kid. You know, when he first won a Super Bowl, I was in seventh grade. Wow. Um, but then certainly now watching him from a much closer perspective. Kirk, when you guys talk about uh, the head coach or yourself, talk about cleaning up things after a, even after a couple of victories. Uh, how does that process work in practice? Is the mental part of it 
or just the physical part? I mean, because, you know, the, you can't duplicate game conditions right. at, at TCO facility when you're working out, but um, is it film work? Is it all of the above? Yeah, all of the above. I think as the season goes on, you know, it's, it's a fluid situation as to how individual players feel physically, how the team feels physically <laughs> and what you have to do. Um, you know, many times weather will dictate, you know, the rhythm in terms of are we getting outside? Are we practicing inside? And, um, you know, Coach Zimmer, that's really has to think about that every week and, and sometimes every day to understand what is best for this team to get ready for Sunday, because uh, you can't win the game on Wednesday or Thursday, but you can take steps to get towards Sunday. So we're just always trying to take the best next steps on a, on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to get to Sunday. Sometimes that means full pads practicing long and uh, and spending a lot of time grinding physically. Other times it means more of a walkthrough tempo and mentally really going over the details. Changes from week to week, but um, you know whatever Coach Zimmer feels is best, we got to go do. Kirk, when you look at the personnel and offense that you have right now, let's, let's hope that Irv Smith Jr. comes back healthy here sooner than later. Compared to where you were at the beginning of the season where you had the personnel but not necessarily uh, the, 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 the rhythm down of what you wanted to be doing, how far has this offense come along, and what do you like about this offense as far as uh, comparing them to where you need to be if you get to the playoffs? Well, I, I you know, this system has been really good for us for the last two years. Um, you know, I think it's been great to see what Dalvin's been able to do running the football. Um, you know, I love what Justin and Adam have been able to do on the outside with their production. Um, you know, I, I think that it's so important that we are strong in different situations, third down and red zone being the first two to come to mind, but also short yardage backed up uh, goal line. And I think, you know, a lot of those situations, I think our offensive system has, has done a really good job helping us be successful in those moments and uh, allowing players to, you know, elevate. So, um, you know, I'm fortunate to get to play in this system. I think a lot of our coaches on offense and really trust them and just, want to do what they tell me and ask them, you know, hold me to a high standard and, and uh, trust that if you hold me to that standard and coach me hard, that uh, you're going to like what you, what you see on the tape on Sundays. I know your best friends are those guys in the offensive line. I heard a couple of people talking in our building here about Riley Reef. We had to take a pay cut and we're quite sure if he was going to come back and uh, he's having a heck of a season right now. I, you can give us your thoughts the guy we don't talk about nearly enough and those guys in the upfront from the, in the offensive line. Yeah, Riley's not much of a self-promoter, which kind of is consistent with <laughs> offensive linemen in general. But for him, that's a, that's an understatement. I mean, he he kind of keeps a low profile, uh, loves to just work, grind, and and go home and repeat. So he's a great mm-hmm. teammate. He's a great leader in our offensive line room. Kind of sets the tempo. Uh, he doesn't let anybody in that old line room off easy. So if somebody messes up with a cadence or a pre-snap penalty, you're going to hear it from Riley. Um, great leader for that room and really for our entire team. He did make a huge sacrifice this year and, um, and he's playing at a really high level. And I think he's got a lot of good football left up ahead of him. We're again, lucky to have someone like him. And uh, you know, as a quarterback, you want to know that your left tackle uh, is on top of it. And um, I've never had to worry, you know, with Riley out there at left tackle. Well, let's uh, maybe finish our conversation talking about your rookie wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, because he still is the talk of the town, maybe the talk of the NFL, hitting a thousand yards and kind of in the same sentence as a Randy Moss, which doesn't happen very often. And he oh. wasn't even a factor the first two weeks. I mean, we didn't know, Vikings didn't know what he had really. And then without the preseason and OTAs, the rest of the story. Uh, but Mike Zimmer seems to think, and you have such a great perspective on this, 
that he wants to just get better. I mean, he has room to grow, which is pretty scary when you think about what separates the great wide receivers. You've played with a bunch of them with a young kid like this who's already proving to be like, I, I kind of know where I'm going with my career. Yeah, well, on Sunday when he got to 1,000 yards and I, I, I heard that he had reached 1,000 yards, I thought first, how? Like he, he didn't even play in the first two games that much. We right. didn't target him. And we're not even into the fourth quarter of the season. How does he get to a thousand yards? So the math to me didn't even make sense, but it just goes to show his production in such a short amount of time. Um, I do think it helps having Adam across from him. I think that mm-hmm. it forces defenses to have to play him more straight up and honest, and it gives him more opportunities. If you don't have Adam on the other side, you know, maybe defenses will favor him and start to take him away and his production will go down. So they complement each other a little bit. I mean, at the same time, Adam's probably taking touchdowns and yards away from Justin yeah. too, but uh, the combination obviously as a quarterback is what I like best. So, um, you know, it's an incredible start to his rookie year. I, I didn't foresee it being that productive just because how could you? I mean, when you start to get in the conversation with someone like Randy Moss, I mean, that's, that's rare error. So uh, grateful that we have him, uh, grateful for the player in person he is. And uh, the key now is to do it consistently, week in and week out, and start stacking up years. I mean, that's what the real great players do, and that's what I'll be so excited to see in the, in the weeks and seasons ahead. Well, all eyes will be on Tampa Bay, outdoor game, on grass, warm weather. How does that sound to you? <laughs> well, it'll be strange to get a different uh, scenery. You know, we've been here in Minnesota now for the last uh, – several weeks, which has been nice to have three straight home games. Uh, it'll be a little different, again, to hop on a plane and fly somewhere else, like you said, play outdoors, play on grass. I, you know, I'm sure 60s or 70s and sunshine, you know, hopefully can do us some good. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Kirk. All right. Thanks, Rosie.